in culture and in society, we hear the word inclusion, which is important. Inclusion is very important when we're speaking to different abilities. Inclusion is very important when we're talking about different cultures that have come into our nation, regardless of where you live. But inclusion sometimes can feel like I have to have you be a part. If I don't have you be a part, there are consequences. Belonging, I want you to be a part. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle. The body of Christ is a tapestry of different races, cultures, personalities, and people. We are called to unity for a greater mission beyond ourselves. Yet often, there can be a great divide. That is why I asked Portia Allen, a speaker, pastor, consultant, writer, and the co-founder of Imago Day, to discuss how we can move forward and create a more diverse and welcoming community. Portia and I discuss her experiences and perspectives on the importance of diversity and belonging in church. We dive into the significance of inviting diverse voices to the table— nurturing a culture of belonging, and seeking reconciliation in our actions with others. Portia highlights the need for humility and owning our impact, even when our intentions may not align. She reminds us of the value of apologies and making amends when our actions unintentionally cause harm. But it's not just about individual growth. We also explore the impact of diversity on the presentation of the gospel and the role it plays in creating spaces where all can feel welcome. We also explore the concept of empathy and compassion, drawing inspiration from the life of Jesus and the importance of celebrating and valuing diversity. Get ready to be inspired and challenged as we dive deep into this thought-provoking conversation. Let's open our hearts and minds to the wisdom she shares on creating welcoming spaces and fostering unity and a sense of belonging for all. Hey, Portia, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast. Hey, Erica, it's so great to be here with you. Yeah, it's such a joy to have you on. We have gotten to know each other because we go to the same church and it has been, yay, love that, River Valley. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It has been so fun watching you really flourish and grow into all the roles that you've had. Honestly, I think I've been going for about eight to 10 years, the time in between there, but you've grown so much during that time and had so many various roles. And right now it's been Super fun to see you flourishing in your current role, which is one of the founders of Amago Day. Yes. And your company helps churches and faith organizations really navigate complex conversations around diversity and belonging. And this is such mm-hmm. a big issue within churches. And I would yeah. say the big C 
church. So I'm looking forward to the conversation today, just the topic of how we can move forward and create a more diverse and welcoming community. So why don't you get us started by really telling us a little bit about yourself and then Amago Day. Yeah, well, um, I'm a wife to Clinton Allen. He is a worship pastor and amazing person, and we've been married for about 14 years. And we have three boys that are 12, 11, and 7, so we are never bored at our house. Uh, The other day I was reflecting on, oh, it feels like peaceful. The calendar's not really pressing, and I just realized just all our fall sports have completed for this season. So we have all of this extra space. Uh, so our boys are very active and we we love that very much. Um, I'm a teacher by profession. And so I had the opportunity to teach elementary school straight out of college and then went on and got a degree in educational administration. So I was a principal for a handful of years. And that was really, really fun and challenging and growing. And then when we moved to Minnesota almost 11 years ago, Um, I stayed at home with my kids and that was my dream. I thought that's what I want. I want to be here with them all the time. And full disclosure, as much as I love my children, I am a better wife and mother when I have time away from my children. And for listeners who just cringe, I'm sorry, we're just different. And for those of you that feel seen, praise God. (laughs) I feel seen, Portia. Yeah. You know, they are amazing little humans and it is good for me to step away. And and I would like to make a note that I was an upper elementary teacher. So now the ages that they're in now, we jive and rock and roll like nobody's business. They are verbal. They can toilet themselves. They can make their own dinner. It's awesome in the space that we're in right now. So that's my family. I'm an army brat, so I'm from everywhere, but I claim Texas because that's where I've spent most of my growing up time until Minnesota. And what else about me? Uh, I'm a preacher's kid. And so I love the church. I'm really thankful that my story has been that even though I've seen the humanity of man in being a part of a local church, that the Lord has preserved within me a love for his bride and a love for his church. And so I just, I want to see the church thrive in all areas. And so that just dovetails into what I get to do with Imago Day. I, I believe these conversations around diversity and belonging truly impact the presentation of the gospel. Because one of the things that we talk about is removing barriers. And if we can remove barriers for a particular people group or for an age demographic or ability, then we have access to more people for them to hear the gospel. Like we don't want to make it hard for someone to come into our church that they wouldn't even come through the door. I mean, just in the natural, there are things that we can do. And then on top, this is spiritual work. This is more than just policies. This is more than just let's all be friends. This is spiritual because the enemy of our souls is out to bring division into the people of God. And if we are divided, then we are distracted from the mission, which is the great commission. And that's to tell the whole world about Jesus. So that's in a nutshell, me and my good day. Yes. So good. So good. And I think it's important when we're having this conversation about diversity and belonging to really know the context of like what we're talking about there. So can you address what you're referring to when we're talking about diversity and belonging. 
Absolutely. When we think about the word diversity, actually, I want to draw your attention to the name of our company, Imago Dei, which is the image of God in Latin. And the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that we were created in the image of God. In His image, He created them, being Adam and Eve. And I think it's important to recognize that no one person can display all of who God is because He is a multi-dimensional, multi-faceted God. I've heard sermons around Isaiah chapter 6 when he sees the Lord and he sees the angels and they're crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they bow and then they come back up again and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the point that the pastor was making is that every time they see a different facet of God and again are reminded of his holiness and his greatness. So I want us to think about the multiple billions of people that currently live on the earth that collectively represent the image of God, no just one person. And so when we think about diversity, in the era that I grew up, there was very much the wording of, we're all the same, we're all the same, we're all the same. Now, we are all the same in value. Our value as image bearers is all the same, but how we show up in the world and in the context where God has placed us is different, and it's different on purpose. Psalms 139 tells us that we are beautifully and wonderfully made, and we are beautifully and wonderfully made in different ways. I mean, let's talk about our fingerprints. Our fingerprints are different. No one person has the same fingerprint as somebody else, and I think that when we hear about those even minor differences, that just speaks to the creativity of our God. And diversity is not something that we have to downplay and be like, no, 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 no. We're all, no, we can celebrate because it brings everybody together in a beautiful way. An example that I like to use is a jazz quartet that I heard in New York some time back. There was an upright bass, there was a saxophone player, there was a drummer, and there was an electric guitar. And each one of them would have their times where they would solo and then you'd clap and then they'd come back together. And individually it was beautiful and together, oh my goodness, it was almost magical. And I don't believe in magic, but you get what I'm saying. And so when we talk about diversity, we are talking about the awareness that we are not all the same. And that when we recognize the diversity, it can cultivate a curiosity. Tell me about you. Tell me about your experience. Tell me what was growing up like for you. What was college like for you? What was this experience like for you? Because diversity is more than just the packaging that we come in. I happen to come in an African-American package, but there is more to me than this packaging. There's also, I mentioned, I'm an army brat. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm the youngest in my family. I love sports. I love to read. There's lots of different things that people might say, what's well, just your personality? But it's also how I'm wired and it's how I see the world. And because of that, I'm going to interact probably in a different way than you would when, say, the Cowboys and the Washington Commanders are playing each other because I have I have a loyalty to one team and not over the other. So diversity is something that can be celebrated and we see it in scripture. In Revelation chapter 7, John says, I saw every tribe, every nation, every tongue around the throne of God. He could have just said, I saw a whole bunch of people. I saw a number that I couldn't count. But the fact that 
Holy Spirit inspired him to speak to the difference in what he saw around the throne of God, to me, speaks to the celebration that God has around diversity. And then in belonging, in culture and in society, we hear the word inclusion, which is important. Inclusion is very important when we're speaking to different abilities. Inclusion is very important when we're talking about different cultures that have come into our nation, regardless of where you live. But inclusion sometimes can feel like I have to have you be a part. If I don't have you be a part, there are consequences. Belonging, I want you to be a part. And so we intentionally use the word belonging because it is, in fact, part of our part of our process is invitation that after we recognize and celebrate and are curious about our diversity, that we invite people to come to be along. And it's more than just come hang out with us, but also tell us what you think about this. How do you think we should do this? How does this impact you? So there's a lot of conversation that happens between belonging and invitation. So hopefully that gives a good snapshot of those two things. Absolutely. And I think I want to segue into how do you do that invitation? Because I think what I find, and I think it works for any party, is because there are those differences, you don't know how to approach the conversation. You don't know really how to connect right away. And I think now living in the world that we are, where there's offenses, there's easily like offended individuals that we've become more to even pull away. So like, even though we have a ton of similarities, our differences feel like they've become bigger because we're just so afraid to have that conversation. And I mean, that happens even in my relationship with my husband. Like if we're on different levels, if there's some kind of tension, I don't understand him. So that, you know, happens with those close relationships. So even more so with these individuals that you don't know, but you want to build this relationship with, you don't know how to approach it. How do you even start with that invitation? Right. Um, For different organizations and churches, it's um, specific to their context, but I'm just going to take this from, like I'm talking to my friend Erica and there is a lot that begins with very simple things of looking who is around you in proximity to you. And at the risk of oversimplifying, of saying hello. As my children have gotten older and they've gotten into school, it has been an amazing opportunity to get to know so many different people simply because we're in the same context, we're at the same school, we're volunteering at the same class party. And so to begin to build a friendship or a relationship is how you begin to have invitation. I'm sure that we've all been places where someone has just randomly put a flyer in our hand and said, come to this thing, come to this event, or you've gotten a mailer that's come to your house and it says, come to this thing, come invite. And then unless you are specifically looking for the thing that they're offering, the invitation is probably going to go in one ear and out the other. But if there is someone that you have started to build a relationship with, a friendship with, a neighbor, for example, a coworker, somebody you just regularly see on your walking route and you begin to talk and engage with one another and begin to learn things about one another, and then an invitation comes to something, you are much more likely to engage with that invitation because there has been a relational foundation. Because of the things that have happened in our world where we've had to be separate during the pandemic, we couldn't be with one another, right? As we've come out of that, I think we maybe picked up some bad habits of, I'm going to shout at you from across the way or over a social media platform. But I think 
we would all do well to go back to how we used to do things in the way of actually talking to the person that is around us. I know in church contexts, I have been guilty of this in my life where I'm thinking so much about the person that I don't even know in another country, which we should. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them to have access to the gospel that I have forgotten my neighbor that's right next door. And so in order for there to be invitation, there has to be an aspect of going back to curiosity around diversity of, I want to know this person. A podcast host that I listen to sometimes, he says, you know, you can't be curious and offended at the same time. If an offense happens, a good question to ask is, why am I offended? Am I offended because they said they don't like my shoes? That's a silly example. Am I offended because they said they voted a certain way? Am I offended because fill in the blank? If you can find the answer to where that offense came from, and if you're a believer, you can bring that to the Lord. Lord, show me. Why do I have an offense? And normally for me personally, when the Lord highlights an offense, it usually has to do with something that I have not surrendered to the Lord, whether it's an issue of pride or I'm right and they're wrong. Who said? Who said I was right? It's how I see it, but that's my opinion. And outside of scripture, opinions are opinions, right? So I think that that invitation has to come from a place of relationship and that takes time. What if there is not a relationship? So I actually run into this quite a bit with the podcast and it's been on my heart. God's put it on my heart to make sure that there is a diverse group of women that I reach out to and have as guests. And because I want that whole body of Christ to have that diversity and show that on the podcast. But a lot of times for me, it's hard to find them and, and seek them out because they're not in my natural network of individuals. And I find that the people that I follow don't follow individuals of, you know, different cultures and diversity and, or, um, different personalities too, you know, that we've got, we've got the races, but then we've got a whole different basket of things to talk about within that. And so what if you don't have that relationship, but you want, you have that yearning, God's given you that desire to make connections. How do you go and seek that? Oh, I love that. I love the heart posture for the intentionality and then to put action steps behind that intentionality. I'm actually going to still bring it back to relationship because in the people that you do know, they also have networks of friends and connections that they have, or, you know what, I want to connect you with this organization, or, you know what, you should check here. And yes, we can do random Google searches for things, but the most steady leads come out of relationship because somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Now, what we have to our advantage is the Holy Spirit of God who directs our steps. And it has been amazing. We we often encourage churches and pastors. We're like, don't be afraid to pray for the diversity to come to your church. Don't be afraid to say, God, we desire to see and fill in the blank of what you desire to see. Hopefully it's going to be a reflection of the local community in which you are serving. And that comes from knowing what is the demographic that lives in the surrounding area, who lives right here. I had a pastor say once, and he goes, I desire for my church to look like the school where my children attend. The same diversity that they see in their school, I desire to see it in my church. And I think that is a beautiful example, a beautiful heart posture of going beyond what is maybe right in front of you right now. Leaning into the Lord of like, where do I need to go? 
Because honestly, Erica, I believe that there will be times that you're going about your regular life. But because you are asking the Lord for specific things, you're going to the grocery store and you meet someone and you start talking about what you do. And they're like, oh, you should meet. I guarantee you, because your steps are ordered by the Lord and your heart posture is, Lord, I want to see more diversity through the Faith Inspired Podcast, that you will begin to see opportunities because you're looking for them. There's a difference between being like, oh, I'm open. I love diversity and being intentional. Intentionality, it changes It changes how you view the world. It changes your perspective and what you're looking for. And when that happens, things begin to fall into place. And I'm not trying to make this sound like step one, step two. It's not a very linear process, but it's a very faith building and fun process. I highly encourage anyone, if you are looking for that diversity in your circles and what you're doing through work, is to begin to say, I'm looking for diversity in the circles where I work because I know that there are other perspectives that would be valuable to the community that I serve. And the more that you talk about something, people, they catch it, whether they respond to it or not. And then we're like, oh, yes. And they combine A and B. Yeah. Prayer. So powerful. Giving it to God. I mean, that's his heart is to have all nations come together and speak his name. And so, yeah, so good, Portia. And then also when you put it out there to people, like they do, like, catching a vision. You know, we're both like vision ladies, dream ladies. Like if you tell people what you want to do or what you're seeking, like they hear that and then they connect that. And so, yeah, the beauty of those networks. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. In the context of like the churches, so working with churches, because that filters down to the big C church, you have identity invitation. And then also there's a third influence for this process that you do. Can you walk us through those three in that whole process? Absolutely. In identity, we fully believe that it begins with knowing who God is and then who you are in relation to who God is. It's very important for you to know who you are because anyone who is in the world today, if you don't know who you are, the world is very ready to tell you who you are. And that may not line up with what God has designed for you to be. So we begin with yourself. And most people have a general idea of what that is, but inviting you to ask questions, to look at, okay, let's look at my upbringing. Let's look at my thought process. Let's look at, and this is a big buzzword, let's look at where my natural bias lays. Because bias doesn't just magically appear. It comes from our influences, our family of origin, where we grew up, what we're reading, what we're listening to. And everybody has a bias. I happen to love... um, I can't think of the word now. You put it in salsa. It's green. It grows. Cilantro? Thank you. That word just completely (laughs) left my mind. But I know there's a whole segment of the population that it tastes like soap. Again, not trying to oversimplify the word bias, but if there is something that comes to them and it has cilantro in it, they're not going to want to taste it or have it because the whole meal is ruined because who wants soap in their food? But knowing that, Knowing that about yourself, then you can communicate to the people that you are around. You're coming over for dinner, like, hey, you know, I just, you find out you're having Mexican food. Awesome. I really don't care for cilantro. Thank you for letting me know. I'll make sure I have a regular rice and a cilantro rice for those that do like it. And so you can't communicate if you don't know. So we begin with identity. 
inviting everybody to know who they are in relation to who God is and what he says about you, because he says wonderful things about you. And then into invitation, which we talked about, inviting others to the table. So one of the exercises that will take a church or an organization through is to look at the demographics around the area that they are serving, because it's very important to know, okay, if this is where we are and we have this cultural population, this cultural population, maybe it's a college town and you have lots of professors and highly educated people, or maybe there is a factory that does a ton of work in the community. So you have a lot of people that are working, hardworking people. If you know who is around you, then you know who to invite to the table as you're making invitations, as you're thinking about, okay, we want to develop a culture of belonging. Then you can have those conversations where you lean in with curiosity about the diversity that you're surrounded by to find out, okay, what is important. In culture right now, when we talk about the word invitation, or I'll go back to inclusion and belonging, unfortunately what has happened is a lot of people are getting kicked off the table or getting kicked off the team because they're in one particular group. We're like, no, no, we want to be diverse. You don't represent diversity, so you're gone. No, it's not about kicking people out of the meeting, getting them off of the table. Let's make bigger tables. Let's invite more people to the table. So our brothers, men, our male counterparts, there are a lot of spaces within church culture where it is very male dominated. And so, but they don't just serve men, they also serve women. So a very simple example is to invite women into the space to think through, okay, how do we make this space a belonging space? I think that's something that churches and in culture that they do really well. For moms that are nursing, I don't know if you can go anywhere right now in our world and not find a space where you can go and you can feed your child in privacy if you want. And I think that that is an awesome example of how you, someone had to come to the table to hear about that. There had to be invitation at some point to know that this was a need. On into influence, once you know who you are in relation to who God is, once you have added more chairs to the table and you've added more voices because you've been curious about the diversity that is around you and you begin to walk in these steps, diversity and belonging becomes not something that you're doing, it's something that you are because it's just part of the fabric of who you are. There's a space of intentionality and then there's, it's just habit. It's hardwired into us. That takes time. But as you're going through that process, you also have influence because no matter who you are, where you are, where you're leading, where you're coaching, someone is watching. And the people that are watching, they're being influenced by what you do. Not to bat the stress of, you have to do it perfectly. No, 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 no. That's, that's not life. But just knowing that as you are walking, there's going to come a time where you can say, hey, come along with us and see what this process has been. Yes, it's been hard. Erica, you and I were talking about parenting, right? And being seen of, love my children but it is important that I have time away from them so I can be better for my husband and also for my kids. Even that is an influencing thing because we found commonality in the midst of our diversity. Mm, so good, so good. What I keep thinking, and you had mentioned earlier that it was, there could possibly become tension within these groups. And you had mentioned, you know, like, like check your heart, ask the Lord. But how do you actually... One, how do you really start that conversation if there is that tension there? Like say you actually did offend somebody. How do you actually have that conversation, those words with them? And then when I wanted to step back there, it was like the churches want to reach their community. 
they need to start a relationship, but how do they actually have that conversation beyond just the hello? Sure. So for where there's an offense, uh, humility wins the day. If we will lead with humility and recognize where we have, not the, if I have offended you, I apologize. Let's take out the word if, and I apologize for offending you. I apologize for hurting your heart. Now, let's let's say that the other party is like, no, you didn't hurt me. It was this. But because you were humbling yourself and coming to the person and saying, I apologize, that opens the door. And it's up to them whether or not they want to be honest and say, okay, this is where the offense actually came in. Scripture says, as much as is up to you, be at peace with all men. And so if we will humble ourselves before the Lord and stay humble with one another, that is the jumping off place into having conversation with somebody else. Often in these spaces, we have found that we will hear the statement, and I think this is just human nature, but I didn't mean to. That was not the intent of my heart. And there is a difference between intent and impact. And so you can share what your intent was, but please also acknowledge that your impact might have missed the mark of your intent. And if that's the case, it really doesn't matter what you intended because it didn't land the way that you intended. And so apologies and making it right have to happen. And so when we talk to churches and organizations, and let's say that there's a lot of work of healing that has to happen, we don't want to come in as like, we are the righteous and holy ones, and we want to come and make this right. It is, we want to make this right. And we think we have ideas of how to make this right, but can you tell us what would make this right? It's an extra step that we've started to do with our kids. You know, I'm sorry. Mm, I apologize for, I apologize for taking your toy. And then how are we going to make it right? Next time I will ask you if I can play with your toy before I just take it. Again, I know that's a very, very simple example, but in culture and with our churches, if we will lead with humility, even if it means that we have to say, I was wrong about this. I didn't realize that this was a big a deal to you because that also happens where something is a big deal to one person and to another person, it's not. I'll tell a personal story. In 2016, that is when the case surrounding Philando Castile, and he was a teacher out of St. Paul, he was involved in a traffic stop and he was killed by the police officer. So the verdict came out and the police officer um, was not convicted. For me personally, that was very difficult and it was very emotional for me. I was talking to a friend that she only knew a little bit about it and was not flippant, but I just because she wasn't really aware of the situation, I'll use flippant. And I remember thinking I wasn't upset at her because it impacted her differently than it impacted me. Fast forward, one of my pastors, the following Sunday morning, stood up and said, there are people in our community that are hurting right now. You don't have to fix it. You don't even have to understand it. But because part of our body is hurting, I'm calling us to gather around them and say, I'm sorry that you're hurting. And so there is so much for acknowledgement of even if it's something that doesn't directly impact you, as the people of God, we carry the spirit of God and we are becoming like Jesus. And he was compassionate. He was caring and empathetic to the people that he encountered on a day-to-day basis. I think about all the lepers that he healed. 
all the understanding of knowledge that he had for the lepers to say, be healed. He healed them, but he wasn't only healing them. He was restoring them back to relationship with their entire community because to be a leper meant to be separated from all of society. So even if the situation does not impact you in a negative way, if you will have empathy, if you will have compassion, you can come alongside this other person, no matter what the situation is. Because remember, they're a fellow image bearer of God. We're different, but we have the same value before God. And so because God breathed into them, it is worth saying, how can I make this better? And that only comes from having a humble heart, which opens the door to all of these other things. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Humility and intent and impact. I hadn't ever thought of the difference of that. And I've experienced that in my own life with individuals, you know, saying something and then them just saying like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. And then me walking away still having kind of that like bitter, angry feeling where things weren't resolved. And so just acknowledging having that humility and being like, I'm so sorry that I said it that way and it impacted you that way can just really bring people together and create that unity again in the body of Christ. I mean, how Jesus just to have that humble, compassionate, kind heart, even if you don't understand it, even if you may not agree with it, whatever it may be, in the body of Christ, we just need to have that unity. And I think one of them, and I'm forgetting what the word, yes, yeah. So in in one of your core values that you had sent to me to prep for this, you had said, unity over uniformity. And I thought that was so cool. Can you talk about that and why that's one of your core values? Absolutely. Psalms 133 says, how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the oil running down Aaron's beard. And oil in scripture often represents the anointing in the presence of Holy Spirit. And so we value unity because we know that where we are unified, we can accomplish what God has asked us to do, which is why side note, the enemy works so hard to get the church and the people of God disunified. And so uniformity goes back to that sameness that we were talking about before, where we're all the same, we're all the same, we're all the same. We speak the same, we think the same, we do the same. That's not reality. You know, not everybody likes chocolate. I don't understand why anybody would not like chocolate outside of those who have an allergy. I get that. But there are lots of people who don't like chocolate. We cannot all be the same. We're not all the same in body type. We are not all the same in how we think about things. I mean, let's take introverts and extroverts for a second. So in church cultures, often the people that you see in the front and the people that are the leaders are the people that are super gregarious and they are outspoken and they are classic extroverts. But that does not mean within that church body and that church structure that there is not space for the introverts, for those that are slower to process because they're very thoughtful and they're very methodical in how they think through things. Because as an extrovert, although the older I get, I'm kind of, I'm simmering down a little bit, or it's because I'm raising children. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you on that. (laughs) My husband is an introvert and there has been so much value that's been brought to my life to slow down and to wait to hear the answer. The answer is worth hearing. And so when we talk about unity over uniformity, we never want to communicate to a person, a group, an entity, a church. Everybody must be the same. 
No, we can be differing on different opinions, but still walking toward the same goal. How we approach that goal could look different because it, how we've made our plan is filtered through how we're wired. So it's going to look different, but the ultimate prize is Jesus. The ultimate prize is seeing the kingdom of God come to earth. And so as we are walking toward that, our methods can be different, but we're unified in mission, if that makes sense. My business partner, Alicia Gelhar, she's amazing. We laugh almost at every meeting. If we go to a meeting where we have already met the people or already know them, she's going to walk in and say, hello, I'm so glad to see you. I'm going to walk in and hug every person in the room. We are different, but we are unified in our goal is that we are building relationship with whomever it is that we are meeting that day. I just demonstrate and communicate that differently than how Alicia does. She is one of the most kind and warm and compassionate people that you will ever meet. And she does give hugs. She just doesn't leave with a hug. That's what I do. <laughs> we actually were at a meeting at two different locations. I had to zoom in and she's like, Portia, I hugged everybody for you. And I was like, man, that's the best. <laughs> Just because we think differently about this topic or that topic doesn't mean that we are not in unity. We are just not uniform in fill in the blank on whatever the topic might be. Which is beautiful because that's God's tapestry right there. We are God's tapestry and we're unified in the mission of him, bringing glory to him, winning lives, saving souls for him. And so that's the unity there that brings us all together. And that's beautiful. Oh, Portia, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I just appreciate you as always. I appreciate you being on and I want to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know where they can connect with you, your company. Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Portia Allen. You can find me on my website, PortiaAllen.com, which we tried to make it as easy as possible. And then for Amago Day, our Instagram handle is we are Amago Day. And then our website is we are imagoday.co. And so you can find us there. And then my business partner is Alicia Gelhar and her Instagram is bird's eye view and you can find her. And we'd love to have conversation because we do this out of relationship. We are not ever going to come in and say, this is what you're supposed to do. It's tell us who you are, tell us your story. And then we look at identity, invitation and influence. We bring you through the process and ask lots of questions and invite you to determine your course of action based on what scripture says and how it encourages you. Because remember, it's who you are based on who God is and who he's called you to be. Mm, so good. Such good work, Portia. Thank you so much for just blazing the, the path on that. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And one more question before you before we go. I want to know what brought you joy today. What brought me joy to, you know what? I saw a friend today uh, when I went to the chiropractor that we've been playing phone tag and missing each other. And it was the best. She poked her head around the corner and I just got to squeeze her pieces. And that has brought me joy today. My people bring me joy. <laughs> yes. Oh, love that so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. I love you, girl. Uh, just so many blessings to you and continued success with what you are doing with Amago Day. Thank you so much. Bless you, Erica. I hope you've been inspired and challenged by this thought-provoking conversation. Let's take to heart the wisdom Portia has shared and open our hearts and minds to creating welcoming spaces, fostering unity, not uniformity, and cultivating a deep sense of belonging for all within our faith communities. 
I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.